show, they clean up nicely. It's the Drew and Fuse show. The Drew and Fuse show. The Drew and Fuse show. Yeah, they clean up nicely. Yo, what's up? Daft Punk's in the building. How's it going, Fusomania? It's great. It's Monday. Do you have a case <laughs> of the Mondays? I don't. I like Mondays. Monday's like the day off where I'm I'm pretty stoked for... Uh, it's just getting started. Fuck. I need like 10 cups of coffee on Monday. <laughs> so you got a semi-case of the Mondays. Semi. I got a semi, usually. <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> Uh, so it's Monday when this comes out it'll be Wednesday and what that means is you have five days left five days left to buy your Daft Punk's merchandise that's uh the links in our let's see the links in our bio on Instagram if you're looking to find it um it's on our little solo two page um uh we have a limited run that we're offering of the ripoff logo of Daft Punk which says Daft Punk's um, just adds messes. <laughs> we just <laughs> <F and> <laughs> uh, so if you want that and you're a fan of the show, um, yeah, you got five days left. It's limited run. Um, that's that. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah, yeah. How was your weekend? Good. Oh man, the week was kind of crazy. I was, uh, I was. I flew to Colorado for a gig with uh, Fit Radio and Orange Theory. Uh, I flew out, let's see, flew out Tuesday, this past Tuesday, and um, I was there until Friday. Um, they had a big Orange Theory uh, fitness convention going on. Fit Radio is now in partnership with Orange Theory gyms everywhere. So if you're in an Orange Theory gym working out, uh, you'll be listening to Fit Radio mixes uh, in the gym. And I got flown out. I got to play the showroom floor uh, for the convention. And then I got to do three different coaches workouts in the morning. So that was kind of, um, it was a lot because it was a lot of prep. And, you know, this is the first time they did this with a live DJ. So I felt a lot of pressure to not suck. Do you have all your drops? I mean, not live there, but like when people are at Orange Theory, are they, do you have your drops throughout the mixes or uh, how does that work? So now we put only one drop in the mix and it's like usually right at the 30 minute, like right around the 30 minute mark. But like some of the old mixes that are still up on the app, like, you know, there's like Fusamania drops like every 10 minutes, <laughs> which is really probably really annoying if you're one of the coaches. So I, and, and I was talking with you and you were saying you're basically pretty famous there, right? All the, all the coaches were like, Oh my God, Fusamania. Yeah, you're you're nuts. one of the OG OG mixers, one of the main uh, right. guys that helped start it off. Right, I started working with Fit Radio in 2013. So th- what was crazy is this is the first time that I've met everybody in person that for the company. So that all my communication with them has been over like Zoom, like this, and or just on the phone. But it was great. I felt like every like it was great to finally meet everybody. But at the same time, I felt like I already knew them all so much already. So uh it was cool and uh yeah it was so weird like so i'm djing on the 
the showroom floor and like people kept walking by and they would see like my logo on the computer and they were like, Oh my God, no way. And then like taking selfies. It was nuts. I, <laughs> yeah. That's wild. Famous. Yeah. Famous. It was really cool. Well, they, it was really cool. That's why I was wondering about the drops. Cause I'm sure they hear your name all the time. So it's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. And, um, it was cool to see, you know, like, we talk about all the time personally, you know, how like sometimes it's nice to go to events and, and DJ these things because you see like how much the work you do behind the scenes thing sometimes actually matters. Like even with the podcast, when we show up to like these DJ shows or events, when we get to talk to people and people are like, oh, I loved this or I loved that. It's kind of nice to feel that because some days, you know, when you're just at home working, it kind of feels like, uh, like a job or and or just overwhelming with everything else that you and I have going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sounds amazing. I also had a pretty cool week. I uh, well, this is actually a little bit older. I opened up for uh, James Kennedy from the Vanderpumps. And, oh yeah, uh, I forgot about that. <laughs> let, me, let me just tell you, that guy is so fucking famous. Like he walks in and girls are just screaming. He puts. I, I'm playing songs and he just puts his hand up and everyone goes crazy. It, you know, he could just stand there. I didn't think he has to DJ. People would go crazy. But uh, <laughs> Ashley is such a big fan. I, I, I don't know how many episodes or how many seasons are out of that show. But if I like meatloafed her, like, uh, hey, my meatloaf, she would answer from like the back. <laughs> uh, I think there's like nine or 10 seasons, though, of that show. So it's pretty. I, mean, I, I I didn't even know who the fuck he was. I'll be completely honest with you. No right, fucking I, clue. I didn't know until she started watching it, and then I saw like he played somewhere in Cincinnati like a year ago, and I was like, oh, that's who that dude was. But oh. big time. Well, it it was just interesting because it was all women, all girls, and they were just screaming at their top of the lungs. I mean, it was so loud over like the just the speakers. Uh, you know, I don't even know they could hear what I was playing. It was just it was just a surreal experience. Sounds terrible. So. Sounds like it was not fun. <laughs> no, it was it was interesting. It was it was it was actually making me laugh hysterically because I was like, oh, here I am playing. I'm like, no one even knows I'm here. And this guy's just raising his arms like and everyone's freaking out. <laughs> but he did go on and played and you know, um, he did his thing. So I saw one of the videos you sent me, he was doing like the Fisher move, you know, like uh <laughs> <laughs> is that what it was i don't know <laughs> every time i see videos of fisher djing he's like got that 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 move going on oh my gosh it's funny that's how little i pay attention it goes to show anything else did you, did you do any uh, oh, this weekend no all right yeah it was a pretty standard weekend for me as well back home in terms yeah. of when we got back home but we don't want to waste too much time we we've we've got a really good guest on the show today and uh I'm just going to get right into it. He was uh, a part of a couple of the most legendary crews in the DJ game, uh, one being Dexstar and one being Screenworks. Uh, his remixes have been supported by the likes of Laidback Luke, DJ Snake, Diplo, many, many more. Uh, he was all over the charts on Crooklyn Clan back in the day. He's still making a ton of edits and stuff now. He's appeared on The Late Night with Letterman and Kimmel. He's worked with clients such as Google, Virgin America, Nike, Vivo, and many, many more. He's got some legendary uh, mixtapes and edits. 
He's also a resident at the bungalow locations with Drew. Please help us welcome DJ Steve Wonder. What's up, fellas? What up? How are you guys? Good, man. Thanks for thanks for being on. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I'm always I'm always down to talk shop about DJ life. <laughs> yeah, we're stoked. Uh, I mean, I've been a big fan of yours for a while. I was telling you, uh, we, I, I made you send me this old mixtape of yours that I, I love, and uh, all your mixtapes, for that matter, are always just been in my rotation. Uh, very dope. Thanks, man. Yeah, that was like 15 years old. That's uh, <laughs> the, the mixtapes just keep getting older, you know. Which one was yeah. it through that you sent, or that he sent you? uh what, what was it called I think it was called in control it had a serato cd cover oh that's cool the first yeah. i remember seeing that on serato but yeah i think it was 2008 or maybe even seven but yeah it was a that was a good time man it was a looking back you don't know it, but that was a, very much a golden era like 2005 2010 was a special time in djing and pop culture and stuff so i was i was glad to be a part of it then like in the mix and stuff well yeah if you were playing before serato just made you 10 times better and all of the other people hadn't really just jumped on uh, you know you didn't have the james kennedys yet just being able to have the computer and all of a sudden you're a gj it's like it just helped you enhance you to another level during that era yeah it's funny when you mention that i just thought to myself is there any other job that an actor or a famous person can get paid well and do and has to can ha just have the least amount of skill doing it. And I was like, <laughs> other than like endorsement stuff, you know, where they're just pitching a product. I'm like, how, why, why is it that DJing became that thing for them all to do? Right. And, and maybe, maybe he has skills, you know, maybe, you know, but like you said, like he, if you're that famous, you can just stand there and people you're making women excited and, you know, I, I don't even think it matters. I was like thinking he should hire just someone else to DJ and just stand there and throw, throw shit at the, <laughs> at the crowd and then do some dances and do the wavy things like Fuse was saying. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, and then maybe jump on and play a song or two and then get back out there and stage dive, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know. I just think you could do more with it. It's I don't know so that he really actually has to DJ. Yeah, the profession that we all chose is the one that anyone can just kind of like get in and out of real fast and, you know, take yeah. bookings or, you know, it is what it is, but it's just funny. Yeah. 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 Well, he's not really stepping on our toes, so it's not a big yeah. deal. He's in another class. So I, I yeah. don't get offended. I just, yeah, I'm with you. It's fun. And it's, it's been happening so long. It's par for the course. I mean, you know, you know, it's right. Celebrity, the celebrity DJ thing has gone off you know but I, I always credited to you know to talk about you know the mid-2000s to the am era and him him elevating the you know the the profile of the dj but also when he passed kind of like to me he was a gatekeeper so once the you know the ceiling was gone and there was no gatekeeper then anyone could kind of join you know what i mean it's like when anyone is like at the top of their field and right. and, that, and that person leaves, you know, and then any, it's it's fair game for anyone. But but when there's someone who's at the top of their game, the the club owners are saying, well, if you can't do that, we don't want you, you know. Right, and, right. And well, it, kinda, it almost felt like when Ann passed that, like 
he had so much clout and say and control over like what happened in like not only just like night, big nightclubs, but kind of the DJ game, I feel like in general. And then like when he passed, nobody, nobody, there was nobody that filled into that, that role with like the same amount of clout. Yeah. I mean, that's why it was one of a kind. Cause no one could, you know, I mean, we're all one of a kind in our own way, but yeah, like, you know, right. And, and, you know, I think if anyone expected someone to, then those were unrealistic expectations because, you know, he, you know, doing com commercials with Kobe and on Entourage. Right. The stuff he was doing was just so next level. But, um, yeah, man, I think, you know, he, he he his influence is still, you know, happening with all the celebrity stuff. And, you know, it, it goes hand in hand. You know what I mean? Like someone, yeah. someone took it there and it was him, you know? Yeah. Right. Are you originally uh, from the LA area or are you? Yeah, are born and raised yeah. in LA. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> All right. In that era, uh, you once you got on Dexter and you were doing a lot of these uh, travel shows too, or um, I don't know, maybe just tell some of the younger people that don't know a little bit about some of that time. Yeah. So I was, you know, I, I came up as an underground hip hop DJ, really, like that, you know, through the 90s. And, you know, I was very like, um, I met Spider around 2001 and we were DJing local bars in LA, like this place Circle Bar, which just closed, but it was like classic dive bar in Santa Monica, Venice Beach. But I was like, I was so, I was anti, I never wanted to play Be Faithful. Like that song was way too commercial <laughs> for me. Be Faithful had been out for like, I don't know, six years and I refused to play it, you know? But, you know, slowly but surely you realize, you know, if you, you know, like, you want to make some money, you know, you kind of got to start playing some pop hits and commercial stuff. So um, eventually I, I gave, I I started, I, you know, I, I loosened the grip on, I have to play this stuff. This is the music that's important. And realized I have to play more well-rounded uh, across the board, you know? And so this all coincides with the mashup craze and you're hearing people mix rock records and eighties records and, with new rap and all this stuff. And it just, at the time it, it was so fresh. It's hard to explain, you know, looking back at it now, it's par for the course, you know, and funny enough that mashups have taken off on TikTok. It's like, it's for, so for me, funny for me, it's vindicating that what we were doing, you know, 15 plus years ago, you know, just wasn't, it was underground culture then almost, you know, like no one was hip to it, but um, what's the, um, fuck. What's this, you know, the, the store that's in all the malls that um, basically is using um, using all of the, the thrift store era shit and like just rehashing it. We were just all talking the, about yesterday. Well, no, there's okay. another one. Oh. Um, anyways, it just reminds me of it's like they're taking the 90s and just like redoing it. It's kind of like I feel like a lot of these DJs are taking all the old shit and like doing the same mashups. Like, you know, the Britney song was on. How many times I keep seeing that little thing pop up or yeah, just old song. shit that was, <laughs> yeah, just the old shit that's been like we've been doing for years and years and years is like yeah. just being, you know, basically put on. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild to see. It's validating. Oh, urban, urban Outfitters. That's what I was saying. Urban yeah. Outfitters. Validating. Yeah, yeah. Oh, back in my day, I feel like an old man like looking on it, but I'm like, yeah, this makes a little sense because when it was starting to bubble, when you first heard of Z Trip and you know, Inhumans, all these guys who were doing it, you're like, whoa, this stuff is 
crazy. It's just, it's just, it's hard to explain. It was just like it hadn't, you know, it just, it's, it's a style of music and DJing that hadn't been explored. So, this is why that was a special era because all these things were coming together, you know. And I was just, I was a local bar DJ. You know, it's funny because I was my Saturday night gig was DJ. I was lugging four crates of records up a staircase to DJ at an Indian restaurant on Saturday nights. Like that was my big gig, you know, it was like $200 and it was like, all right, like I finally got a gig. Like for me, I had been DJing for six years, but I was a amateur high school DJ, a college like dorm party DJ. And then kind of after college, you just kind of figure your way around like who's who, what's what, like luckily I linked up with spider. We both had, um, underground hip-hop groups and we met at a college radio station kxlu which is loyola marymount um and we we ended up there the same night both promoting our groups and instantly hit it off we like oh you like the same things like instantly we're like oh yeah like you like the same hip-hop as me like we, we have the same sense of humor so that that was really cool to like find uh an, an ally early in the dj game you know and yeah and to talk about DJing nowadays as an older DJ, one thing I miss is like linking up with DJs as much as we did back then. Because back then is like you link with DJs, trade music, talk about things, you know, it was like very open market, you know. So for me, yeah, it was just basic local stuff. And then I remember hearing about this guy AM and and all these parties he was doing, and he was getting twenty thousand dollars a gig, you know, and like just being a bar DJ making $200, it like, it didn't even seem real. It's hard to explain. Yeah. Like, like I couldn't fathom a DJ making that much money. And I remember and it's in your own backyard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I was not involved in the Hollywood scene. I was just like, I was very anti that. But then as I learned more, I was like, Oh, like, you know, this is, this is attainable. You know, when, if, if you don't think something is even possible then you're not even thinking about it. So, um yeah i remember going on his website he had that one flash page and it had his resume and all the super bowl part maxim super bowl blah 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 uh jimmy Iovine birthday party all this stuff and you're like again like mind-boggling you know you're like how does this happening you know because i all i do yeah. is this indian restaurant every saturday you know so <laughs> so the story is and it's funny enough because there's video of it um on youtube we actually filmed the the yeah. The day we met AM, we were doing uh, the Magic Conference 2005 and got to meet him, uh, DJing the same booth. He came and dropped the set because um, Nicole Ritchie was a, a spokesperson for Bongo Jeans. That was the booth we were in. So it all kind of. Are they even still around, Bongo Jeans? No, I don't think so. <laughs> it's like a Target brand now or something. I got to admit, too, I, I must have watched this YouTube video when I like started DJing like all the time, too. Like, nice. I, that was like one of the ones that I remember. I couldn't get enough DJ AM videos when yeah, I was. Yeah, it was a, it was a, remember the flip cameras? We were filming right. the camera, you know, it was like the start of all that, too. Um, so, you know, that, that was a lucky chance meeting to like, you know, I, there was some excitement behind it because we had heard of the guy and we never met him. And then to meet him and start talking and to realize like musically, were in sync with him. Like he likes the underground hip hop. He's just, he's like three or four years older than us. So he's, he's more, he's already developed that palette for all types of music and is playing rock 
and playing a lot of records that we don't even know, you know, and um, that was a wake up call. Like, okay, like it's time to become more well-rounded. It's time to like start to bring in everything in, in our sets and what we play, you know? So, um, but yeah, from that meeting, then we met Kevin Scott, of course, from DMS and uh, Kevin was so, you know, welcoming and warm to us and cool to us. And it was just kind of the start of like, all right, this is where we need to be. You know what I mean? We need to like, and, and, and banana split had started around that time. And, you know, like we met Kevin at LAX, which was like a, you know, the hot new club in Hollywood. And luckily we had an in, you know, if like, if you don't have it into these places, the door might not let you in, you know? So, but luckily like, <laughs> I stood at that door before I knew Kevin. And I were like, the, we were like one of the first people in line. I stood at that door for fucking hours. Yeah. And finally, the the door guy was like, "You got you you guys haven't complained one bit." He's like, "You're cool. Like you can get in." And so that was about the only way I got in. But it was like right before I kind of uh, met all, all a lot of you guys. So yeah, I I know it was wild. <clears throat> yeah. So you know, it's kind of like that thing. Like, all right, this is where we need to be, and then. We, you know, we just devoted ourselves to like kind of that scene, you know, and going to Banana Split every Sunday. And Kevin invited me to open for him a couple times and, you know, kind of like gave me the 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 pointers on, you know, which records are, you know, I would go see him and take notes, you know, like like a big record for him early opening was R. Kelly um, Home Alone. <laughs> With R. Kelly and Keith Murray, you know, and it was just like this vibey R&B record. And it's like, okay, like I get that, you know, but it was also like there was a lot to learn of being an opener, not playing the hits, not stepping on on the headliners toes, you know, not there was a lot more rules to all that back then, especially in the vinyl days, as opposed to like what it is now. I mean, clearly there's a lot more music and, and styles and taste change, you know, but but if you stepped on the the headliner's toes back then, it was bad news for you, you know. Like if they came in and heard you playing the biggest song, like I think "Crazy in Love." Well, no, that was like two thousand three. But I'm trying to think of what like the, the big songs of that time were. I think "Usher," yeah, was like two thousand five, maybe. But a yeah. lot of those, a lot of those like records were becoming big, and it's like just know to stay away from them. You know what I mean? Like figure out what works, you know? So Kev gave me, put me up on a lot of game and um, yeah, that was kind of my introduction to getting on Dexstar, you know, as AM like kind of like taking a liking to me and Spider and, you know, believing in our ability and, you know, brought us on board, which was awesome, you know, like couldn't be, wouldn't want to be connected to another DJ in the game at that point, you know? And just uh, being, I've always wondered what it'd be like to, you know, a lot of, I guess with all the, the early Dexter days, a lot of people were uh, wanting to book AM, right? And then to get him, you would have to book a lot of you guys uh, on the on the crew. Is that yeah, right? I mean, I I kind of like I wasn't I wasn't next up in line, you know. Like there were other guys on the roster that like. I think were more suited for that slot, you know, but definitely there were, there were spots that he was playing. I think it was fluid in San Francisco was one that they would book crook and clan and AM and like all these guys. And 
it was one of those spots that was out of town. I didn't, I hadn't done a lot of out of town gigs, but it was on my radar as a place that like the, the top dogs would spin at. So I told myself, I want to play there, figure out how I can get in there. And linking with Dexstar definitely helped that, you know, it wasn't like a, okay, you know, like we'll, we'll book you cause you're on Dexstar, but it just, it, it, it made whoever was booking there at the time, um, have more faith in me that like, okay, AM co-signs this guy. Like, we trust that guy, you know. And before that, the first out of town gigs were at um, Harris Casino in Kansas City. That was like oh, wow. that was when I quit my day job. Actually, I was working, I was running a tape vault, like editing reels and um, doing stuff for directors and music videos. And yeah, I landed. Um, like I think Dexter got me in um, to that gig and. Like one night DJing there paid more than a month of my nine to five. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to go do the, try this out, try to start the DJing. You know what I mean? So like, wild. What was the job that was? It was a really cool job. And sometimes I like, I like, maybe I should have kept my foot in that door. But um, yeah, and, and that was my first, it was kind of a good introduction to out of town gigs because it was kind of low pressure in a way because it didn't get too slammed. It was like this big concert kind of hall that like wasn't a club. Like they were trying to make a club. It was a weird fit, but also a good place to get your reps in, you know? And yeah, you know, I think I remember Steve Aoki was DJing there and Tina T and spider and Kevin, like, you know, and, and, we all would trade notes. Oh, what worked for you? Oh, what was the big song? Yeah. You know, I mean, Aoki would ask me for music because he was just he was open format then. I think it was pre like very electro for him. You know, what I mean, he was just getting his foot in as a DJ. So, um, but that was a good place to like kind of like get my out of town reps in. You know, because it was yeah. low pressure. It didn't feel like. If it was a slow night, it wasn't because the DJ. It was, you know, maybe the turnout and stuff, you know. But uh, and the music, music wise, they're probably just a little bit behind LA, right? So yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, you can work still, a lot of the newer shit. Yeah, or like older shit. I think like Chris Brown run it was a huge record there, and, but yeah, and, and and it's Midwest, you know, so they have different tastes and stuff. So that was what was cool about it is you as you travel, you re, you realize things are regional. You know, so it yeah. set me up like, all right, if I go to Texas, they have a whole different palette than Kansas right. City, than Chicago, than New York or Miami. So, you know, try becoming a traveling DJ helps you become well-rounded, you know, like some of my first gigs in New York. Um, I remember covering for Rocktacon once and they wanted a lot of house and I didn't know, I didn't know anything about house. I'll be honest. You know what I mean? Like house was the last thing on, on my mind and like in my palette, but he sent me a lot of the, the classics and you know, it's like the, the, the world hold on and the love generation. And it was, oh, that was okay. so big. Yeah. You know, like yeah. at that time. And then, but then as that's when it made me realize I got to go hear some DJs play house music. Cause I have to know, what's up in that world, you know? So um, becoming a traveling DJ was great for my musical, you know, the development of my 
Well, we have a ton of questions for music, and we actually that's a good little segue into uh, like I want to dive deep into uh, a lot of the music stuff and prepping for out of state stuff and whatnot. So, um, views we got we got a little segment video. We roll it all the time. Uh, super high quality. Uh, By the so, way, I love I love that intro video, man. That was awesome. <laughs> ten out of ten, dude. <laughs> so good. Well, these these segment videos just get better. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. Hey, Drew and Fuse, Hermit the Frog here. When I'm not dealing with my pain in the ass wife, Miss Piggy, I like to talk and sing with my friends. What's your top songs? A new personal favorite of mine is this. It's the Drew and Fuse Show, the Drew and Fuse Show, and they clean up nicely, because usually they look like shit. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> it's your boy, Kermit, crushing the game. <laughs> All right, so one, one of the things we like to ask everybody when they come on is uh, if you have a favorite remixer or producer. Wow, favorite remix or producer. Mm. Um, and it could be just in music in general. It doesn't have to be like DJ edits. Um, Probably DJ Premier, just because I was such a fan of all his production in the 90s and Gangstar and J-Ru and Nas and just KRS. Like everything he did, I was just blew my mind when I first heard it, you know, and, and, um, but there's so many, I mean, yeah. Do you, do you watch his YouTube show? It's, um, his YouTube channel. He has like a, about the dat and he'll like play. Is yeah. it? No, it's not his dat, but it's like the, the floppy disc or whatever yes. he has that goes. In the yeah. I've seen a lot of them. Yeah. yeah they're, they're dope for sure. Yeah. I don't know what number they're up to, but I, I watched a lot of them for sure. Uh, yeah. If if you could pick one song, what would your what would your theme song be? Like it follows any, you everywhere you go. Any song? Any song. Oh yeah, yeah. These are tough. Like you walk into the grocery store. Prep, boom. prep me on this. Uh, <laughs> um, I think Roy Ayers. Everybody loves the sunshine because it's just so vibey and peaceful, and like uh, you feel like you're at the beach when that song's on. You know, like like it. Yeah, yeah, like it, uh, Drew. What would yours be? I've never asked you. Oh, see, now I'm like him. I wish I would have prepped for this. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh fuck, man! I got to think of it. For some reason, uh, you guys ever seen? Um, I'm gonna get you, sucker. Of course, where he walks out with uh with the the shoes and he has the the goldfish. I always yeah. just think of some kind of like you know funk song like with a lot of horns you know something with a lot of horns yeah i'm, I'm big into horns i always wanted just I, like i love tracks with horns and you know just i love horns i like i have like a whole uh sub genre of just horns so i was gonna ask want, if you like, tag tracks, if you tag oh, yeah. horns on songs and just type in horns and then they're yep all, yeah a ton of that so I, I love that so yeah i'd have something with that i gotta i gotta think about that one i'm not sure yeah, I don't know what mine would be either. I, I I feel like baseball players have it the best because they can always change their theme song when they walk up. But like, <laughs> like now that you know it's in the playoffs, I just can't help but think like Bryce Harper always comes out to Moby Flower, and I just think that's sick. It's like wow, up. 
thing. And it, like, it's just dope every time he comes to the plate. That's cool. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, we always talk about the five most played tracks in your Serato. Uh, if you want to do that, that's always a great. Um, we found some flaws in that though, that Serato tags or Serato. If you run th- songs through mixed and key, sometimes mixed and key adds, uh, plays to your Serato count and or sometimes editors are adding plays to like we, uh, we've been plays. doing that we just we just add the, the plays in <laughs> yeah and Serato didn't implement the plays till like a few years ago right like it's like correct correct it's not the yeah, history yeah. that you no you, and you don't you have to a... you can just skip through too like if you're like oh that one's not right just we're just curious like we always like talking to people about songs that they're playing in their sets and what what's a staple for them, you know, as a DJ. Yeah. Um, and or some people just find that they're playing Pitbull Hotel Room Service all the time and their sets that aren't that <laughs> Yeah, cool. I mean, I, I can kind of go off, <laughs> kind of go off like recently, like kind of what, what goes. Yeah, do that. At, at yeah. That. I think Pursuit of Happiness, Aoki Remix. I mean, I made an edit without the ravey stuff. Because it's kind of what part without the ravey, like the, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like vocals, so you know that is always a staple. Um, trying to think, like I, I've been playing that one a lot lately. Again, I feel like, but like all that 2010 stuff, like it's been yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's way back in the mix, and there's a lot of stuff from 2010 that like that was popular in 2010 that isn't popular now. You know, so yeah, we were talking about that. Like uh, certain stuff that was giant back in the days isn't hidden, and um, just other stuff uh, that wasn't that big. And I can't even think off the top of my head of what it is, but is is like giant now. Well, man, after midnight is a good one. You know, like oh, I, the ABBA. I was yeah, not yeah. Playing ever in my sets. You know, like same. It was very, corny, very rare. Yeah, yeah. It was just like uh, you know maybe because the had sampled it, but. But yeah, now it's a staple. Dancing Queen too, you know. Like I, I don't know. Those just weren't on my radar, but bigger than ever, you know. And, right, right. Um, I'd say like a Crazy in Love is a staple. You know, it's like always a go-to. I mean, you know, I'll endorse myself, but Conga Shake, like the Coolie Rhythm, yeah. is always a good. Any of the songs in the Coolie Rhythm or remixes, you know, they always set it off. That beat, it's the beat. You know, like you could put a lot of different things over it. The crowd just just it's infectious, you know, and um, I mean, it's still so real it's, quick. Yeah. We just got to mention the conga shake is probably one of your, your biggest and most downloaded edits of all times. Yeah. Would, you, would you say? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. And was that one available on Crooklyn claim? Yeah. It was like top five on Crooklyn. Right. Forever. It was up there. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was a big, I wish yeah, I got, it's... you know what I actually, I, I wish I had, done what they did with be faithful and like went the route of trying to license it you know what i mean like get get it signed off because djs are playing it at like nba games and arenas and stuff it's almost yeah. like a knock jam of sorts and i'm like well if i got i i was at a restaurant once in vegas and gloria stefan was there with her family and i was so <laughs> So tempted to be like, hey, I made an edit of your song, but also like didn't want to say it because it's kind of like, I don't know. It's incriminating at the same time. Yeah, Where she could be like, oh, you're the guy. I'll leave that alone, you know. But I was like, all it was was, you know, 
the Cooley rhythm and you know conga and the shake what your mama gave you you know you could get those three songs licensed then hey man like you know like yeah the amount of times that got played and you know if it became an official track i was like oh, that would have been cool but none of us were thinking about that stuff back in the day you know but, so with right. that track um did you were you playing that before and you were like oh i just want a way to like make it a little bit doper or were you um i feel like in that era we were all just like how can we play songs more unique to sound fresher in our sets right it was like more of a like a a little bit of a deeper deeper track where it's like oh these other guys aren't playing this let me figure out a way to flip this like the gloria stefan yeah, yeah, the Gloria Stefan specifically. Like, what, yeah, what made well, you come up with that? Is that is like well, is I that always, you were playing it, or it was like just something random? No, nah, I always love the horns. You know, like you say, you love horns on tracks. Yeah, and I always love that intro, but I love, I love like clearly the Latin vibe of conga. But when the drums come in, they're almost more like '80s, and it's not as Latin. You know what I mean? So, you know, they're they're almost like programmed like a Prince song or something, you know? So um, the funny story about that is when I made it, I sent it to Kevin. I mean, I told the story before and Kevin was just like, his response was like, Steve, does the world really need another (laughs) Cooley Rhythm remix? Because there was, there was a bunch out, you know, I think Sizz did the, did the um, Suavemente one. And, you know, there was just like a bunch of versions of it, you know, like, Right, yeah. in the sky and the pitbull and the Mr. Vegas, and it was just like it was already there was already enough in that rhythm that you could play it. And, and but I was what like, did you make that on? I made on Pro Tools. I was Are like, you I still know, using? I don't know. Pro it Tools kind of works like it fits, you know. I was like, especially when the hype, the shake what your mama gave you come in, it's like it 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 it, it brings it up even more, you know, like the like the it's kind of like the the structure of it was perfect, you know. It was like a breakdown, beat comes in, gets even more, and um, yeah, I don't know. I just it worked to me. It was just like a, a a one-off. Usually, those are like the best ones where you don't overthink it, put it together, send it out, and you know. Oh, we had a conga line challenge for the longest, like at the beginning uh-huh. of when we started doing this uh, this podcast, and it was uh, do uh, record. A conga line happening without the conga and maybe we need to have it with the conga and for steve's uh steve's remix nice. moving forward but uh i i know i played your remix one time at heat for this uh was it mary Kay makeup it was like a, a corporate party and it was yeah. all women and i played it and but there was a conga line around the whole like around the room and shit it was fucking like yeah I, sometimes i think i should have made like an eight minute version just you know there's some songs you play through the night and you're just like i wish this was 10 minutes because the crowd loves it they don't want it to stop if it goes that long they're not going to be mad at you you know what i mean it's not like change it up like usually it's like that for new big songs you know but like i think that's the beauty of of that track is that it works for a corporate crowd it works for a bar crowd. It works, you know, it's a good way to segue to a Latin house set, you know, to like, you can really go anywhere with it. And as DJs, we're always looking for tools to get us um, in another direction or, you know, to keep things moving. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
No, I agree. No, I, I love that track and I use it for a lot of the segues you're talking. So I'm just wondering what the story behind it was. Um, yeah. So you talked about prepping, going to other cities. Um, I'm just, I know you're not traveling like you were back then, but what's like kind of the mentality you wrap your head around uh, trying to, you know, prep for other cities, you know? I mean, then it was, show. it was looking at radio charts. It was finding what the top radio stations were in the city and looking at what they were playing or the mix show DJs, you know, now it's pretty easy because everyone is giving up everything everywhere, you know, like the DJs on TikTok, like the top seven songs in Miami. You know what I mean? Like, it's like right. people are throwing this information at you. But back then right. it was how do you figure out? Or, you know, talking to the openers after the gig, you know, trying to, you know, or talking to other DJs, like what works here, what works there. You know, I'm, I'm a very community-driven DJ. I like to share info. I always trade. I always feel like I'm losing trades with other DJs, like I'm giving them way more heat than they give me, but I've always been one. I like building with other DJs and, and learning, you know, about their experiences, what works for them, what their opinions on things. You know what I mean? Like I love your guys' podcasts, you know, all these other podcasts that they just talk DJ shop because, you know, we're, we're, we're lifers in this, you know, we've devoted ourselves into it, you know, like, um, 20 plus years deep in the game and we, we live, we bring it. It's a lot of philosophy behind it. It's a lot of, yeah. Every time you DJ and you play a room, like you're, you're basically like, you're also being a psychologist and trying to figure out what works. <clears throat> right. Especially Drew, you know, like the bungalow is such a mix, mixed crowd, you know, like you get, oh, yeah. you get everything. You got to touch on everything. You can't not, you know, like you won't, it's, you can never make everyone happy, but if you can make, you know, 90% of the room happy, then you've done your job, you know? So uh, that's what I love about it is it is such a, a mixed bag and, you know, the decor leans so much into it that you could, it's some of it's expected to be able to go left or right, you know, uh, yeah. then just straight down the middle. Uh, there's a spot here in Cincy that I used to play. I don't play there anymore. Uh, but Drew's played it a couple times. It's called Igby's. And uh, Simo actually plays there still all the time. And it was kind of the same way as you guys play the bungalow out there. It's more like uh, vibey, cool, mixed with like party as well, you know, where it's like you got to do what they're asking of you. But at the same time, you got to do a little bit of what the people want as well to keep them kind of around. It's a tough it's a tough thing to balance. Yeah, it's a balancing. <laughs> and And to younger DJs, you know, like, that's a, a big challenge of, of – I think it should be a priority for DJs, you know, unless you're very honed in on one style, you know. But we in the open format world, like, have learned through time, like, balance is everything, man. Like, get your crates right for every genre of music, every yeah. decade. Like, you never know when you're going to need something, you know, like, especially in the corporate world, like – that's such a mixed bag and you know, you got to hit them with everything. And, and I, that's what I wish I knew sooner being uh, the younger hip hop head. Like actually, you know, like it's good to know everything and yeah. it's a shameless plug. That's why I love DMS because they have everything, you know, like I love Drew's edits, you know, like it'll be yeah. the strokes or, 
you know, it's just such a, such a variety. And that's so important. You know what I mean? Like there are some sites I go on that's just new music, you know, and it's like, there's more to DJing than just like, <laughs> you know, or yeah, yeah. Two remixes like, yeah, it's important, but I feel like crowds nowadays, they don't care about remixes as much as the mid 2000s or the 2010s. Like some people right. just the regular version and they, if you play the a remix that they're not feeling, they feel like you're ruining the song for them, you know? So, right. Yeah. That's even more balance and psychology. You're like, figure well, it out. I, not. I actually have a question. We were talking about mashups earlier. How do you feel? I mean, the TikTok, it's huge, right? It is what it is. DJ showcasing what it is. But how do you feel it's playing out? Like you're saying with remixes, do the mashups are, are they actually working or is it just a way to showcase on TikTok? Good question. Um, me and Spider talk about that all the time because I'll be like, have you heard that? And then he's like, does that really work? You know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, it's important to like, just because it's got a million views on TikTok doesn't mean everyone's going to like it in the club, you know? So um, right. I think there's some crossover. I mean, I, I like it to like get intel like on, oh, I like that beat, but the vocal on it, I don't care for, you know? But I'll, So I'll go right. download that instrumental and then maybe work on something of my own, you know what I mean? So, but right. uh, it's hard to say, you know, like I'm trying to think like a good uh, case study would be um, Makeba or Makiba. You oh, know, uh -huh. yeah, yeah. yeah. That was really big on social media. And I I've tried to run it a lot and to a mixed reaction, you know, to where it's like still the same way. Care about it. But I've played it a few times. Like I play it in, at, at, at Bungalow Huntington Beach which is a lot more house driven than Long Beach. And I've gotten great reaction to it there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it really is situational. And yeah, just because it's on social media doesn't mean it's going to work. In the right. So, you know, but I'm with you with uh, certain blends. If the the beat's dope and they, and it's usually when they don't have a clue what the beat is, right? Because then they don't have a reference point to you're mashing it up or ruining it. It's just like a better version of the original. Yeah. Right. So one of the other things that we wanted to talk music wise, which just some of the, the mixtapes that you've done, uh, I think one of the popular ones was uh, a Nate dog mixtape. Yeah. 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 I did that uh, in 2008. It was actually before he passed. I just thought about it for a second. I was like, this dude has so much music and so much of it's popular. So much was on the radio, you know, like if you were in LA and you were listening to power one Oh six, or the beat, you know, and it was like Melody and the yeah. Hollow Boys. It's just like, it was just like Nate Dog hits all the time, you know? And I was like, you know, I yeah. should do like a best of, which is basically what it was, you know? And, you know, trim the fat, you know, like if he was just on the hook of a song, just use that, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm very much a student of like the beat junkies and like Melody and like clean mixing, and you know like it's almost like a house way of mixing hip-hop like holding a tight mix and you know whereas the new york approach was more slamming and like best parts of the record you know so i kind of took some of that east coast mentality to the nate dog mixtape like there's some mixing but it was more like here's the meat and potatoes like this is like yeah. the of the nate dog like 
you know, some some full songs, but mostly like little hooks or features and stuff. And yeah, it got a really good response. I think it was because I made it before he passed, you know, and then the passing kind of elevates people's thirst for it, you know. But um, right. I've always, you know, like DJ Rob One, who was an underground hip hop DJ in the 90s and 2000s in L.A. Like I loved his mixtapes. I used to go down Melrose and there were so many cool hip hop stories that sold mixtapes and mix CDs. So I always, I love mixtapes and I, I still go on Mixcloud a lot to listen to mixes. And um, it's, I feel like it's almost like a lost art though with like new DJs. Like they're not like even like the house DJs, like it used to be like even Diplo had like the, the BBC mix and that, you know, he had some big, like his big BBC mixes that were big, but now I feel like, I don't know. You just don't see as much anymore. And maybe a, I'm wrong. It's no, you're right. It's a labor of love and it's time consuming. And you know, yeah. it's like, it's, it's the, it's the energy and effort you put into it to the, to the reward you get back from it, you know? And it's like, you could, you could spend six months on a mix, put it out and, and it just <laughs> disappears into the oblivion of the internet. You know, it's very tough. You know, I think that's right. why people work on remixes and original tracks more because, there you're planting a seed that other DJs will play and get the word out. You know, I've had, I've had a lot of people come up to me and ask me what a remix was and give me their email. And, you know, like I have a funny story. <laughs> I was doing the floor room in um, West Hollywood and um, it's very like tough door celebrity driven, you know, and like um, LeBron was there. And I played an edit, a DJ Swift edit, who's like, I'm on his Patreon. He makes really dope um, breakdown edits and remixes and stuff. And his manager, this guy Maverick Carter, came up to me. He's like, it was like a Jay-Z blend I was playing. Because I was like, oh, they love Jay-Z. You know, like, I'm going to play it to their Jay-Z fandom. Yeah. And, um, I played the edit, and he came up to me. He's like, he's like, what edit is that? I was like, oh, it's like a DJ edit. He's like... I right, thanks, man. I'll find it on YouTube or something like that. I'll, I'll get it. And I stopped him. I was like, I was like, you're not gonna find this out there. Like, because yeah. I got it from his Patreon. Like, it's not floating right. in those where you could just find it. Right. I was like, I was like, let me get your email. I sent it to you. He gave me his email. I sent it to him. Never heard back, but it was just a funny story because, like, to us, those edits that are like not accessible are like the most important ones you know what i mean the ones that yeah that that not everyone has you know secret weapons whatever you want to call them you know so. right that's why that's why they hire you again because you, right. you sound fresh they like it it's like yeah. oh it's that thing that you can do that they can't do editing exactly. editing is one of the most important things i think to like making a dj stand out and like not even in terms of like you don't have to make like custom like edits bootlegs like with vocals but like if you can just edit songs that come in the way you want and that are different from other people like i think it makes you stand out so much more as a dj and to be honest i love stems man like you know like we were saying i got the new m2 like i i spent a lot on it but i wanted the most powerful machine because i didn't want any lag or any you know and i've found like like I play Ain't No Fun a lot at Long Beach. It's an anthem. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it is Long Beach, you know? So it's Long, it's Long um, Beach. But now I I like the whole time through the song, I'm stemming like vocals out and 
just the bass. You know what I mean? Because people's songs that people sing along to now, like if you got them with you, you can play along and you're doing right. like almost a live re-editing there, you know, like taking this out, taking that out. So that's been really fun, man. But I, I agree. That's why I thought that's why Serato was the game changer. And that era or mid 2000s was so crazy because it was the start of that. It was like, oh, like we can yeah, right. edit, change and, and create anything like that, you know. So. And like you mentioned earlier, you know, you said you share you're willing to share stuff with other DJs and give back. And I, I, I like doing that too. But what I will say for me is like, I don't care if you're a great editor or, you know, you got one edit that I've like, I just want you to feel, I want to feel like if I'm sharing something with somebody that they are also giving back to the community as a whole and not just being a taker and just taking shit. Like that's, I think very important is like, if you're a DJ, like at least be trying to like make stuff and give back or like, you know, not just be like, oh, I'm just taking everything I can get from everybody. <laughs> I, I agree with that. I, I feel That's this life. <laughs> I feel the same way, but also like it's kind of like there's no way to track. Like, you know who makes edits and you know who doesn't, you know. What I mean? Right, like, right, right. It's hard to like, you know, but I, I've always felt that way, like inside about certain DJs who don't make edits who don't put out mixtapes, who do, you know what I mean? To me, like, I'm just like, I keep a mental note. I'm like, all right, like, you're not <laughs> you're not giving back. But, you know, honestly, there's more to gain from giving back than to not. So if DJs choose that and they, they don't want to contribute to the greater good of the, you know, edit culture and all that, like, so be it. But there's going to be way more reward in, in sharing your edits, you know? Like, to go back to your question – with the producer or remixer, like I've always been a fan of eccentric DJ eccentric. Oh, yeah. Even when he was working, yeah. doing a lot of the twerk stuff, like I could tell this guy was super gifted early on because, like, when a DJ makes an edit and I'm, I'm I have trouble figuring out how they did it or like, you know, like their sequencing and stuff. I'm like, all right, that's that's talent, you know. And he's, you know, I subscribe to his Patreon and he's. I'd love his R&B vibe and just like I play a lot of his stuff and always have even like even like the, a lot of the trap stuff was dope back in the day and the twerk stuff. And um, but you see he landed a Beyonce official Beyonce remix and it's like you got to put yourself out there for good things to come back to you, you know, so other DJs should take that. However, you know, I, I love that you're supporting so many people on Patreon. Uh, is there any any like ones that without giving away all your stuff that you're you're cool to put people on to yeah i'm i mean i'm on the the main guys you know i'm on nick bike um swift uh you know eccentric yeah um, one that i like is mighty moves have you used any of his mighty stuff? Moves is dope. yeah i, I yeah. i'm on his email list but yeah i i like his edits a lot i just yeah. got his halloween pack actually he's yeah he makes i got like some good, good stuff yeah for sure for sure um I don't know my my boy Pixter in Arizona. I've always liked his edits and his taste, so I subscribe to his. But I'm only on like yeah a handful. I'm not on too many. Well, it becomes overwhelming just going through the record pools and everybody's stuff. And I mean, then at that same point, you're just like looking for something fresh because I know I'll like re-edit it anyways. You know, yeah, so, so that here's, it fits here's my what style. I finally realized out of all these years of having being able to do this. Now, when I open my computer, you know, you have 
different screens on your MacBook when you when you do the four fingers up, it'll show you like. So now I have one screen, and every tab open is all the of my subscription sites. It's all my DJ pools. It's all my video DJ pools. So like I'm not mixing in my emails or my YouTube or anything else with, right. with this screen. So now like, and I go one by one. I'm like, all right, I'm on this site. What can I download? The next site, and literally, there's like ten of them, and it's so much to keep track of. And you, like you said, like even add the Patreon in there, add this and that. It's just <laughs> like it's it's more than ever, and it's so easy to miss quality stuff because. Well, I actually love that tip because I I'm struggling with that right now is just staying focused. So I just like that focus tip. That's a whole well, yeah, nice thing I, I ever heard. I use Safari, and then I click the save open tabs or or i i have the option of every time i open safari all these tabs will open so right. now i have my one you know my one browser right. with all my sites to download from but i put that I'm on like, a separate screen so it doesn't interfere with like any business or like yeah i'm gonna steal that i actually i i've always known that feature to be on the back but i just never taken advantage yeah of i've it. never taken advantage but it makes sense you know because once you start mixing in like your email and a news site or YouTube, it's so easy to get oh. sidetracked. So it's just like keep yeah. it to the DJ stuff, you know? Like, and, oh. and it's good. You mentioned, you know, you use all these different services for your music. And Drew and I always preach. And even Warren, like when we talk about stuff like, you know, like DMS isn't the, 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 you only need one record pool. Like DMS is great and it's a great tool, but we always all preach like, you need to have as many different options as you can to get music from if you really want to be a good DJ because there's so many outlets and so much, you know, so many talented editors and and just so much music out there that like it's still the most important part of what we do. And if you're not willing to like, if you're not willing to like comb through the stuff and and find stuff, then like it's probably why you aren't getting the gigs and or you know the the stuff you want as well. Yeah, it's a balance. You know, we a lot of times we're going to come back to balance, you know, like and, you know, we're not even talking about Bandcamp or SoundCloud. You know, right. I'm talking about 10, 10 tabs of just yeah. the pools that I subscribe to, you know, and then there's all the like the outside digging. You know, it's like it's right. so wild. There's so many ways to get music and find music. And then you can go on the, the playlist sites and look at people's playlists and right. Find right. tracks there, and it's crazy, man. One thing we wanted to ask about before we stop talking about music is the hip hop game. Drew, you want to show it? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. The questions, hip hop trivia. So that's um, something I've been doing with my cousin Sean. He's the host, and we um, have we did a lot of live games in Los Angeles at different bars. We were doing that Blind Barber and Delicious Pizza and all these places. We were doing them live where we would, you know, have the crowd play on their phones and interact. It was really fun. Oh, yeah? yeah, it was just like, it's like bar trivia, but all hip hop based, you know? So um, we had been doing that for a couple of years, but then COVID came and shut it all down, of course, you know, but within that, the option to do a card game came up and jumped on it. And, you know, it's like 
during but and and simultaneously during COVID, we switched to doing live shows on Instagram, and we had amazing guests. We had Questlove, we had you know Russell so Peters, so many so many like um, hip hop legends, Dante Ross, like it just goes on and on. And um, yeah, that 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 game is for people to play at home, and gives you a sense of what you would expect if you came out to a live concert and Sean has been taking it on the road. He went to Philadelphia. He's done shows with skills. He was just in New York. So um, yeah, I mean, it's on Amazon. I think, you know, yeah, I bought of, it. I bought it on Amazon pop stores. It's not expensive at all. It's a little fun. You know, you got nothing to do. Drink with some friends, break that out. Test, test the hip hop. Yeah. You know, yeah, I also, definitely perfect. would recommend this. It's a lot of perfect fun. Perfect for the fiftieth anniversary too. You know, it just yeah worked out. That even way. even if you just want to, I flip through it just to be like, oh, I didn't know that fact. You know, like even if I'm yeah. not playing with somebody, I just flip through it and be like, oh shit, that, yeah, that I was mean, interesting. You know, we're all music nerds, you know. That's just specified on hip hop, but I feel like any DJ could nerd out on some music trivia for sure if you can't then like why are you a dj you know <laughs> right right uh so we got another segment video i'm gonna play this is our production segment video we want to talk to you a little bit about pr production i know we touched on it a little bit but uh and video djing so i'm gonna roll this and then we'll get started hey what is up drew and fuse it is Mark McGrath from the band Sugar Ray, off the charts, but always in her heart. Hey, Drew and Fuse, when I'm not busy being the handsome, dashing fella that I am, at least had a few good years in the 90s, I work on music, like writing hit number one songs like Fly in Every Morning. Maybe someday you'll have a hit. Let's talk production. Let's talk inspiration. Actually, you know what? I don't even like Drew and Fuse. Who are they? That was so cool of him to just send you that video and not read it off of a prompt. He totally winged it, and yeah, he. I forgot. I actually forgot that he did that one. So I was expecting something else, but yeah, it was awesome. So. Uh, what doll you mentioned you were using Pro Tools? Do you still use Pro Tools or no, you use something else? I'm okay, able. cool. Yeah, did you go to school for that? Is or Pro Tools was just the OG. I when I was in college, they were Pro Tools was like they were pushing us to it, but um, I don't know, I didn't spend enough time with it. Yeah, I, I have friends who produce, like, two of my best friends are professional producers, so. Um, one of them back then was heavy into Pro Tools. So I would sit in and watch him work and do sessions and kind of got an idea of it just kind of like sitting and bugging him, asking him things about it. So that was kind of how I learned that. And then Ableton is very self-explanatory and, you know, it's super deep when you get into it, but it's still you can get enough across um, – just by kind of the basics of, of Ableton, agree, you know, yeah. the, the warping, you know, the, there's like the main things you need to know with warping and setting markers and like kind of all that stuff. And once you know them, you're like good to flow. My challenge has always been mixing 
Like even Conga Shake, I didn't really mix at all. Like I don't know if I put a limiter or anything on it. Like I just sent it out as is, you know. But I one reason I really like Eccentric is because his, his stuff sounds so good, you know. I'm like, so. But what's cool about his Patreon is if you do the higher tier, he lets you download his Ableton sessions and then oh, open wow. them up. So I saw he was using a lot of sound toys, um, mixing uh, plugins. So. I bought those instantly. I'm like, all right, I need those. You know what I mean? Like if you right. want, you, you find editors, remixers that you like their sound and then, you know, kind of learn. Well, that know. was going to be the the next question. What plugins yeah. are you, what are you? Yeah. Liking? You know, like I had, since I have the new, uh, I had a lot of cracked ones, you know, I got the right. waves and all that. But <laughs> since I got the new computer, like I lost a lot of them. So mm -hmm. I'm not on too many right now, but, um, I like the sound toy stuff is really good. Um, Omnisphere, I don't have, but I want. It seems to be like everyone's number one synth plugin. And there was a new one, I forgot what it's called, but it has AI. It just came out. It oh, has sure. this AI that you can drop a sample into and it'll recreate the sound, which is oh insane. No matter yeah. what it is, even an analog, even a horn, anything. But you could take. It's I saw it. It's not it's like 200 bucks, dude. Like stuff that's about to come out is insane, you know, and that that to me opens up a whole new level of remixing and editing. And, you know, like because because we're all trying to. Um, we're all like I love like kind of recreating stuff, but giving it a newer twist and, you know, having those tools gives that like look at. um so the guy U-Turn from Oliver, yeah, the group, you know, he produced Big Energy. I won't call it the real version, okay, which is the no. Tom Tom Club, uh, you know, flip. Yeah. But he, all those sounds he created, that's not samples. You know, he like re remade it, but he made it bump much harder. You know what I mean? Like, right, right, right. It's hard to play. It's hard to play like Mariah and then go into Big Energy because the Sonics are so different you know you got the 90s beat and then the 2020 <laughs> beat. so right you know, what was the name of that program it's called sin plant 2 and it's crazy like when you drop the sample and it's got like an ai model that like <laughs> it looks like a like a brain or like it's called sin plant because it actually looks like a plant and it shows okay. you it shows you like how it's figuring out to recreate like oh the this base or this wave or you know what i mean it like literally shows you like how the ai reads the sound and recreates it so there's a lot of cool stuff going on but um yeah it's it's amazing uh, it just scares me at the same time i'm, I'm yeah. worried <laughs> i don't know why i am I'm, i i worry about it you know yeah. arnold uh, arnold's uh, gonna come protect you don't worry drew <laughs> <laughs> i i do think it's dope though and i want to get more into it so that's why i asked because i'm going to download that and check it out yeah yeah uh, sure. so one of the things too we wanted to talk about um is you know drew does video djing i do some video djing i'm very basic at it i'm not at the level of either of you um and but you were on a legendary crew of video djs called screenworks and i believe and i might miss one or two that it was you Jordan Laws, J.E., Second Nature, yep. and am I missing one? That was the core. And then, like, Caustic worked with us. Right. And, 
deception. But no, those four are the core. You guys had some like, like it was basically like a DJ crew, but like the who's who of like video DJing, I felt like too. Yeah, well, I mean, like Second Nature is like the godfather. He's like the OG. Like him and like, I remember when I was doing um, Jet in Vegas at the Mirage. Like that was my first big Vegas residency. But they would bring in Rooney G. And he was a video DJ. He would bring his whole like DJ rig. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was dope. And they would set screens up. Um, But Second Nature to me is like the godfather. And then, you know, uh, um, Jay is just so talented, so creative. Same with Jordan. I was kind of like the last guy, I think, involved. And they taught me a lot about video editing, video DJing. Like, I was the one who, like, showed the most interest and, and really, like, loved it. Because I'm a kid. I'm an MTV kid. You know what I mean? Like, anyone from our generation is going to love visuals and but you just did a big uh, video DJ gig too, right? Yeah, I did a I did a gig in Seattle recently at the Mopop, the Museum of Pop Music, which was sick. I mean, it was it made me feel because Screenworks was around 2012, 13. Yeah. So you know, maybe a decade ago. But doing that gig made me feel like everything I did back then prepared me for something like this. You know, because I had all these edits that I didn't really have a place to play them, but they all worked so well for this gig, you know, like, cause that's what I, no, no go ahead. Go ahead. No, no go ahead. But that gig, like Sir Mix-a-Lot performed. So like I DJed for like an hour and a half, he performed and I DJed after, but the crowd didn't really get turned up till he got on. So for the first hour and a half, I played a lot of movie edits and a lot of the customs that Screenworks had made. And, you know, because you're not concerned about the dance floor, it's more people are schmoozing, drinking, eating, watching it as they browse the museum. So those kind of edits were perfect for that. And then after Sir Mix-a-Lot, I got into a little more of the party stuff, kind of like the straightforward videos, you know, because there is an element of not wanting to take away from the dance party of people like watching the screen, you know, and I think right. that's what always scared nightclubs off of video DJ. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, but but the way you guys did it is what the way I loved it. It was, it was clips. It, you know, like you said, I, you were an MTV kid, grew up. Well, my parents owned a video store growing up, so oh, yeah. like just watching movies and like all that stuff. I like all the media, so I like the the second era or the second. Um, <laughs> what am I trying to say? Simulation of the TV with just whatever's happening. I felt like the way you guys were doing it. It wasn't, there was intricate parts, but it wasn't just like taking over. You could enjoy it as like something unique, but then the the music did its own stuff. Yeah, man. I mean, the screen at this venue was insane. I actually posted some clips on Instagram, but I got to post more of the little clips. Luckily, my wife was there filming. I, I, I thought about it. I was like, I should have hired a videographer for this gig and made a nice little reel out of it because... You know, I might, I might never play there again. It was such a one-of-a-kind venue, but the screen was ginormous, you know? And yeah. It was such – it was so cool to play that, and it, 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 it vindicated all that work, you know, because video DJing is time-consuming, you know, editing, doing all this stuff. So, you know, you put a lot of work in, and you want to reap the benefits of all the work. And, you know, you know, um, all the Screenworks guys, we, you know, Shecky Green was helping us out, kind of manage us. And with time, we all kind of went our own ways. 
because the market, you know, I had done some cool stuff back in the day. I did a, a gig for Vivo at South by Southwest. It was a Watch the Throne, like Kanye and Jay-Z performed. It was when that oh, album damn. came out. So that was wow. like 10, 10 years ago. But they it was this big abandoned nuclear plant, and they had me like propped up, and all my videos were playing on these big walls and stuff. So I definitely did a lot of cool video gigs, and I would love to do more. I mean, I'm back into – collecting and editing you know but i've always approached video djing like regular djing where i like to play remixes and i make a lot of edits of remixes to have stuff that i can play that maybe other djs won't have you know so right yeah but there was i mean too for guys that don't know like all those guys were legends in their own way je produced what all of Nelly's country grammar yep. album and yep. some of the Murphy early Murphy Lee stuff. Yeah, all St. Lunatics, like a lot of that stuff. And a lot of other stuff. I mean, that Nelly album is like 10 times platinum. Like insane. Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and and Jay is starting to do a lot of vinyl gigs again. You know what I mean? Like he's he's just such a well-rounded, he loves music. Like when you love music, you're gonna you're gonna play with it, mess with it and any any format you can whether it's vinyl it's video you know what i mean like so he's just a music junkie but yeah man well and jordan laws was like all over i feel like doing video stuff too uh what what's he do master of like the viral stuff like he made viral stuff that early on the youtube days like popped off you know um i think jordan's in new york i know he was living in columbia for a minute but i talked to laws every now and then but I, he, I was in Paris, maybe like this is the first time I think I went, and uh, he, we always followed each other, and he was like commenting on something I was doing out there. I think he maybe lived out there for a minute too. Yeah, he was something. traveling. Yeah, he was floating around for sure. He's he's a cultured guy. He likes to to yeah. see the world and take in everything. So, <clears throat> and do you yeah. think there there still is a scene for video DJing? I mean, obviously these one offs, but. Uh, more in the corporate side or I think the corporate private event it makes more sense you know like the the, the events that have more budget that 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 want to add that element you know but mm-hmm. you know in in terms of clubs and bars like you know i think it is what it is and it's not changing but also like we were saying earlier uh twitch i saw a lot of video djs pop up out of nowhere you know djs yeah. i knew as djs that were never spinning videos and all of a sudden on twitch they they're video DJs. So, you know, it's like um, whatever medium calls for it, it'll be there. But I remember we were on Ustream in like 2008, 2009. <laughs> remember Ustream? You know, we were doing uh, shirt shot parties, me, Spider, and our boy, Mr. Best. You know, like we did yeah. a shirt shot early on and we had LMFAO perform and we paid them with a bottle. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, hey, you guys want to come to our party? We got a bottle for you. Yeah, they showed up. I think they did yeah. Miami bitch. I don't even think like shots was out yet, but so funny, man. You know, like uh, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that's the game. That is wild. Um, we, knew them, we knew them from all the the banana split parties early on, so they were homies. You know. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, you were in that scene when they were they were kind of crafting their their sound and that early like 2008 era they were. They were just remixing before really making their own shit. I mean, Miami bitch was the the one standout, but like I felt like all of us DJs were playing a lot of their remixes. The Fergie one was dope. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it would go over a crowd's head now, but at the time, it just like Foo was like ahead of the curve, you know, like he was highly influenced by Banana Split and hearing what AM was playing and all those like indie remixes and got it. He understood it, but also like put his pop aesthetic on it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, yeah. I have the, the Cobra Snake photo book and the, like all those old photos from that era that oh, he nice. just put out like like i don't know maybe it was a year or two ago but it's got some like funny photos from the banana split days and like other parties in la around that time well it's funny because like we would go to banana split and they would be there and like everyone like in that era it was all like crooks and castles and diamond and all like the streetwear shit and then you see these guys wearing like leopard pants, and you're like, "Who the fuck are these guys?" Seriously, like we would like we would just be like, "Yo, what's up with with these guys over here?" You know. But little did we know, you know, this is like Fu's master plan, where he's like forming this group, and he's got his nephew or his cousin or something, and it's like he had the vision early, man, like way early. So I love it, you know. Think outside of the box, you know. Right. Yeah, I wish I had the balls to wear some leopard pants, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, we want to ask you uh, a crazy DJ story. Uh, so, like one of the segments we do all the time, and think about it. And we're gonna play this little video here. <laughs> you're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. I like you, but you're crazy. Oh, it's just bad. It's just so bad. It's just so bad. <laughs> just a time for Halloween. But if it was Drew in a pirate's outfit, it might have been good. So. Yeah, we need to get the AI face on there where it's yeah, just like his face doing it. All, <laughs> All right. Sold out who does what? Sold. Um, well, just if we, we don't mind telling us a funny or crazy DJ story, it's always, it's always interesting to look back on, uh, you know, we do – we have an interesting career, right? Where you're, you're around a lot of drunk people or, <laughs> or whatever, you know? Yeah. So trying to think, I mean, I, anything good or bad, it could be a bad, like a night. Give me both bad. if you, if yeah, you yeah. can't decide. Yeah. I, it's a tough one. I, I was, somebody asked me the other night what a crazy one was. And I was like, ah, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't, you know, spider is the king of the crazy stories, but like, honestly, like, <laughs> I, I've never had like as in terms of like the crowd and like drunk people. I, I feel like I've never had anything that insane happen to me. Um, once I did a wedding in Cabo for a linebacker who was on the Eagles, and I just remember because this must have been like two thousand nine or something. I just remember it was pretty like people were getting wasted. I remember Donovan McNabb was there. He's a quarterback, you know. And I remember yeah, yeah. him just like sitting on the table I was DJing on, and I would play something old school. He'd be like, "What you know about this?" Like, really, like, <laughs> like almost like, bro, like, all right, come on. Like, what you know about it? I remember there was another like, and these are like big football players. One of the guy like, "Hey man, can you play some Drake?" And me kind of like having no idea who Drake was. And literally, <laughs> I think Drake only had a couple mixtapes out at that point, but I was right. like. 
one of the first times I ever heard the name Drake. And like, little did we know that Drake would like run music for the next like 15 years. But yeah, it was just like, that was a real like funny random wedding I did. Cause I was like, oh man, like, you guys are cool, but you're also like kind of annoying me. <laughs> like, I was thinking uh, the Robert Downey Jr. one you had. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I, I've told that before, so I didn't want to tell it, but oh, that right, was crazy. No, just because, like, I mean, the story behind it is that I was asked to do a gig. It was actually a gig that my friend, Mr. Best, was supposed to do, but he couldn't. So he was previously booked. So he asked me to do it. And they said, it's uh, it's going to be, a, you know, like, you're going to meet the client. So I had to go downtown. It's a celebrity. You know what I mean? That's all. That's all you know. It could be anyone in the world. And then... I go to this big warehouse. Of, it's a production warehouse where, you know, they have all, all the lighting chairs and all this shit. And I go, I walk in and I see this guy walking forward and he's like sipping some coffee, like talking to the women who are throwing the event and like they're talking about the taste of the coffee, which coffees they should have. And as he gets closer, I'm like, who the hell is that? And closer and closer, it ends up being Robert Downey Jr. And it's his 50th birthday. And the first thing he says to me is he's like, because he had read my bio. I had just redone my bio and rewritten it and put the whole Dexter thing in there. And he's like, so you knew Adam? And I was like, I was like, yeah, AM, good friend, you know, amazing. And he was like, he was such a good guy. Like that was that was like the icebreaker of our conversation. Wow. And then I went and sat down with him. We talked about the night. And since it was his 50th birthday, he wanted to do five decades of music he wants you know 60s 70s 80s 90s into the 2000s so you know we went over music and the funny part is he was at he asked me you know who dr octagon is and i was so caught off guard it was like the most random <laughs> surreal moment because i'm like robert downey jr is asking me about dr octagon right now and i was like, <laughs> I was like of course he was like talking about like 90s music he's like i love this oh yeah he's like you know, we talked about so many different bands and like Susie and the Banshees and all this stuff. And he he didn't want it too poppy, but he wanted it like 90s reflective, you know, yeah. cocktail twins and all this stuff. And it was such a cool gig. I mean, it was very I wouldn't say it was stressful, but I didn't know what to expect, you know, but um, right. the gig, the gig ended up being solid and actually duran duran and steely dan performed like and there was like <laughs> he didn't announce it to the to the the guests so a lot of them had left you know it was like a pure surprise like oh by the way behind this wall is steely dan duran duran so steely dan went on second by the time it was when it was right before they had done coachella and um by the time they went on there was 30 people there Wow. Crazy. Yeah. And I was just Imagine like kicking yourself for that. Like, left, like left, right. wow. and I was just like, this is insane. Like I'm watching <laughs> really damn with like 30 people right now. Like that was definitely one of the coolest gigs I've ever done. I, I think for me, the hardest part would just be not uh just be composed and be in the element, right? Because you're hired and honestly, you're just as much a professional as you know, for your craft for what you do just as much the professional as them. Right. So 
yeah. should be getting the respect, but at the same time, you're like geeking out, like, holy fuck, this is weird, you know? So keeping yeah. the composure would be the hard part. For well, me. you know, like, and, and thankfully, you know, thanks to Mr. Best for not being available, but also I had been to a lot of, <laughs> he does a lot of corporate gigs for a lot of big clients. Yeah. Shout and, out Mr. Best. And has always been low key about it, you know, but he would bring me to a lot of them like beach, like these really nice beach houses in Malibu and, and I would watch how he would conduct himself, like what he would play. So he really put me up on a lot of the corporate game and how to conduct yourself, you know, and it's like, it's very easy to get excited that, you know, you know, Gwen Stefani is standing right next to you and want to geek out, but it's like, you know, the balance and, and keeping your composure is really important. And that gig was cool because you never know, like, is there going to be a dance floor? There wasn't really a dance floor. So I kind of was just kind of on the side providing music. People were eating and having dinner in front of me. So it wasn't as much pressure. So it wasn't like, okay, now DJ and keep the party cracking for three hours. Like, luckily, <laughs> the, the bands were playing and there was a lot of different stuff happening. But, you know. Right. I always psych myself out for every gig I do. I'm always like, you know, if, if you don't, if you don't get nervous for your gigs and you don't care about them, you know, even my residencies that I've done a million times, it's like, Oh, what's going to happen this weekend? Like, yeah, what, what will I do? So, you know, it's a balance of like not psyching yourself out, but still, um, well, staying composed. You know? I've learned to like channel that energy into really like, over prepping right so that over prepping does pay off down the road uh like we've talked about throughout this whole show is uh you take that energy you over prep and then it might not pay off till later if you didn't end up using it but it's still using that energy for you know something eventually that's going to come up i mean i'm sure you've had corporate gigs where you prepped for a packed dance floor and by some chance like things dragged out and by the time you got on like half the crowd had left you know what i mean like yep and it's just like right. and then and then you're imagining like oh i'm rocking this party but then when you get there it's like half the crowd and managing right. that is way different than managing a full raged party you know so there's always like always variables you know i, I was just gonna say like i i prepped all this this year for like reds games that i dj'd with all these like slam edits and stuff that had like a lot of energy and then, like, a lot of times during the game, like, we we might have been losing or something that I didn't get to play these edits. But, like, this past week when I did the fitness stuff, like, it was the same kind of thing. So I got to use a lot of those. And I didn't have as much work to do when I prepped for that because I already had all these edits that were, like, super high energy and, like, right into the drop and all that. Nice. Yeah, I, I was going to add I did a um, – I was doing some of these celebrity parties too, but they, they were – you know, lower end celebrity stuff. So it wasn't as shocking. It was like producers and stuff that were buying the scenes. But I did this one um, 55 year uh, birthday party and I, I did all the videos for it. And, you know, uh, it was supposed to be this dance party with all the music videos. And I over prepped the fuck out of like getting all these videos. Like he wanted them to be like, you know, uh, Roots, no, it was 66. Route 66. And so I had like all these like car driving videos and all this shit. Well, they put the bar right outside the door. So everybody was outside the door drinking and like hanging out and in this little photo booth. And then they had me off to the side, you know. So once I got him, I got him. But 
everyone was out there for an hour and a half and I'm like trying to play bangers and get them in, but you're just burning yourself. So yeah, you never know, you know, you just, you just reminded me of a snafu actually. So scratch Bastard had linked me up with Red Bull and they wanted me to do video DJing for a motocross event that they had like in Redlands or something. And it was a lot of pre-production, a lot of editing, all yeah. motorcycle content, like a lot of like, even like sending clips we had made to the Red Bull people. Do you like this? What do you want to change? Like so much prep work, right? I think it was a two or three day event. Get there the first day, set up. You know, it's Red Bull. It's not like a sanctioned event. You know, it's kind of just marketing for them. Oh, the winds are too strong. Events canceled. <laughs> oh, no. It's too, it's too dangerous for oh, no. them to do their jumps. Their jumps. Oh, I, I had spent months editing these things, getting it so right. Like, <sighs> am I going to do this right? Hey, man, you know, the check still comes the same, but that's a perfect example where you never know how a gig will play out or what, you know, you always envision something, but then. I mean, that's a little extreme because it's like extreme sports and stuff, but you know, <laughs> a lot goes into it. But a lot, yeah, that's a good story. But yes, that sucks. Yeah, I, I <laughs> made all those edits, forgot to play them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I did one for uh, a sunglass company one time. Uh -huh. And so I was months of just editing, finding songs that had to do with sunshine or just. I mean, they were so detailed on all this stuff, right? Yeah. I get there, and it was like right when Happy had just barely come out, uh, the Pharrell Happy. And I'm playing. I'm doing everything, and they're like, none of this is working. Play Happy. And I'm going, <laughs> it, was at, uh, it was at Tau in Vegas. And I'm going, what the fuck, you know? Uh, <laughs> just talk about throwing everything that we prepped out the window, and it's like, let's play this little cheesy uh, Minions song. <laughs> But um, we got one last segment video to roll, and uh, it's the last segment. We call it the sauce, and it's just uh, if you had any advice to younger DJs or anything, you know, uh, you would do over or do differently. Uh, we'll just talk about that, and we'll roll this video. Ah, the name is Bootsy, baby. And uh, this shout-out goes out to Drew and Fuse, all the way from... Cincinnati to the LBC bobble. Yeah, I was told you guys are quite the chefs and you got a delicious sauce that you cooked up. Ooh, and it drips that swagoo and breaks down the recipe. Yeah, and you giving up the pee cause it's funky. As in good that is, finger funkin' good. On the one by the power of the one. Yeah, without that, there is none. So get yours and be in tune with the one that loves you. Get it, baby. Love it. <laughs> I love it. That was awesome. Bootsy uh, crushing the game. Um, yeah, just any uh, any advice, anything that you're all about. Just good, bad. Yeah, tell the kids. 
Um, I would say, I mean, a theme that's going through this pod is balance. You know, I would say find balance in everything you do, you know, like uh, have your crates balanced, have your, have your personality balanced. You know, I, it took me a while to learn that I can't take things personal in the DJ world. You know, um, things will upset you. People will, you know, <clears throat> you will feel like you're not getting a return on your value, you know, but don't make any irrational decisions based on that. You know, just put your head down, keep working, keep it moving, you know, like nothing is granted or, you know, nothing is deserved in life or especially in DJing, you know, like you might think because you do something, you deserve something, but, that's just not the case. So you got to work hard and earn everything. And um, I mean, one thing it's, it's, it's like a catch 22. Cause one thing I've learned is like, you want to in this game, but a lot of times the loyalty isn't returned. So there's, you know, there's something to find there is a balance of like distributing your loyalty and expecting loyalty back because I found a lot that, you know, a lot of clubs and bars and places are not as loyal to you as the DJ to hire as you are to them as their employer, you know. So um, unfortunately, there's a lot of DJs in the world and, you know, a lot of us can be expendable, you know. So you might think that your loyalty will make you not expendable, but. You can you can have a residency or a gig and do everything right, and they still might decide to go with someone else. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what I mean in terms of like stay stay balanced and uh, do what's best for you always. You know, like in make the decisions that that serve you the most, not that serve other people or you know, like it's it's. This game is tricky, you know. What I mean, there's a lot of politics to it, and you gotta you gotta play your cards right, you know. And it's, I've been in the game for 20 years, and you know, I've made some wrong decisions, I made some right decisions, but um, you know, stay loyal to yourself. I guess is the best advice, you know. Yeah, I love that sauce. That was a good one. Yeah. Was uh, it like ragu or. <laughs> that was one of the better ones. Honey barbecue, some ranch. <laughs> it was a high end brand for sure. High end brand. Well, you know, it was one of the good ones. I like. I, I liked that a lot. It felt very uh, yeah, genuine. I've had, I think I've it's had true. some. I've had some weird fallouts with DJ homies over gigs and residencies in different cities, and you know, it's like. I, I've never been one to play the politics and like try to force myself in situations. I, I take what comes to me, you know, and I'm thankful that a lot of dope gigs and work has, has come my way, you know, but you know, there's different approaches. You can be that guy who goes out and tries to get everything they want and by force, you know what I mean? But I, I've always just kind of played my position and, Try not to ruffle too many feathers and, you know, just just play the cool. and let, let the work speak for itself, you know? Amen. I agree. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
if you want, if there's anything you're wanting to promote or, or uh, just your social media, just tell everybody that listens where they can find you. Um, DJ Steve Wonder on Instagram. I'm probably most active on there. Steve Wonder on X Twitter, but that place is toxic. So <laughs> there's, it's more of like weird opinions on there, you know, but most of my, uh, I got some cool stuff on TikTok too. I think it's either Steve Wonder or DJ Steve Wonder. I don't know. There's some people, I've never been able to sync all my social medias with the same name. So, and what but, about your edits or remixes? Where are they? I mean, there's some on DMS. I, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a Patreon right now. I've still been making stuff, but I've been doing more video edits. You know, and I've always wondered: is there a market, uh, like a Patreon market for video edits? I think so. You think well, so? People's, yeah. Two. If there's any edits that you want up, like anything new or whatever, this episode will go up Wednesday. So if you want like five, five or six edits of yours to go up, okay. just send them to us. We'll put them up okay. on DMS. Oh yeah. So um, yeah, Mixcloud. If they go on my uh, Instagram, I have one of those link trees that has all my socials. So just look up DJ Steve Wonder. All that it should all be there. Yeah, I love it. And you got a you got a good website too. I like that. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I want to say rest in peace to my boy DJ Nels. He was a big supporter of the questions. He was he was on Be Real TV. He just such a good dude, man. Like really like opened his heart to me. Like he was at my birthday two years ago. He worked for this company called Hood Hat. He bought me a bunch of hats. He made me a custom hat that said uh Nate No Eight. DJ Steve Wonder on it. Like, just such a good dude, man. Like, he got sick. He got, I think he had got cancer about a year ago, and it just happened so fast, man. And he passed away last week. And, you know, I, I just want to say that DJs should look out for each other. You know, everyone's going through different stuff. And, you know, we'll definitely throw some benefits and look out for his family. But, you know, it's like keep it, keep it community-based, you know, like – you know, we all – it's not the easiest gig. It's a lot of stress. It's a lot of pressure. And, you know, a lot of DJs don't talk about it, you know, because there's a there's a hidden, like – there's a – there's a you want to be flashy. You want to show everyone the best of your DJ life. But we all deal with stresses behind it all you know and it's you know important to look out for other djs and make sure everyone's doing well and stuff so yeah yeah well said uh, uh and thank you guys for having me on the show man like i said no thank love, you for coming on talk. we appreciate it yeah yeah dude thank you so much man this was a great episode i loved it yeah, yeah. a lot of and good stuff shouts to kevin and warren i know those guys since back in the day we used to do the pool parties at kevin's house man yeah Shouts to DMS, man. Like edits have saved me countless times and one of my favorite sites easily. Awesome. We appreciate you taking the time to to be with us here today. And uh, uh, it was awesome to catch up and, and, and chat. And that's going to wrap up the show for today. So uh, if you guys uh, aren't following Steve yet, make sure you follow Steve. Hopefully uh, we might be able to get, get a couple edits out of him to put yeah, on DMS. You. And uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so download the edits. Find his other edits. There's some iconic ones out there that you guys need to have. 
So thank you so much. And until next time, we'll see you guys later. Yeah, dude. Thank you. Peace.